Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today we are recapping the last week, the Thanksgiving week tournament for the Kansas Jayhawks basketball team. Uh, did not go as well as we were hoping it would be, but uh, there's still plenty of stuff to talk about and, and to look forward to. To help me do that, as he usually does, uh, we have returning to the podcast our basketball editor over at Rock Shock Talk, Steve Fetch. Fetch, how you doing today? Hey, good. How you doing? I- I'm doing pretty good. All right. So this team... Uh, obviously had a setback. Um, you know, we, we are going to talk about the entire tournament as a whole, just because I don't know that there was enough that happened in each of the individual games to take them each individually. And I, I'm fairly certain that most, what most people want to hear us talk about would be that game against Dayton. But before we get into the bad from that game, um, let's talk about like the like what what we actually took away from that game in terms of what was encouraging for you. Like, what did you see in those games? that had you feeling good and feeling like maybe the Dayton loss was a blip. Yeah. I think, you know, for the most part, the offense continues to show that's really good. Um, you know, the, the North Texas actually was their, their worst offensive output um, just by straight up points per possession, but they have a little bit better uh, defense than Dayton does. And so, um, you know, the, the performance against them was probably a little bit better than against Dayton, but you know, in, in both those games, um, you know, well, we'll, we'll take the Dayton game specifically, I guess, just to start out with, um, you know, everyone talks about the, uh, the woes from the line, which I think is, um, certainly, a a reasonable thing to be worried about. Um, you know, Kansas was dreadful from the, uh, the free throw line in that, uh, game, just uh, nine of 20. And, uh, you know, for me though, the, the bigger thing is four of 19 from three, um, in a one point game, <laughs> you know, those are, those are huge, uh, you know, huge swings I can have just by one or two more uh, threes or free throws. So not to say that, you know, they shouldn't have lost or not to say that, you know, it it doesn't matter and and you can just kind of brush it off and stuff. But I I do think it probably is important to point out that with a a normal shooting night for Kansas, uh, they come away victorious. Um, Most encouraging to me uh, out of their offense um, is that they've been really, really good this year at not turning the ball over, which is something that doesn't really happen too often for Bill Self's teams. Um, they're usually more in the, the middle of the pack, but they're currently 19th nationally in turnover rate, um, under 15% of their possessions, which is really, really low. Um, and they're also getting some, some good looks on the offensive glass as well. So um, even if they have a night where they're maybe not shooting it very well, like they were against Dayton, you know, the fact that they're never turning it over, the fact that they're getting their fair share of offensive rebounds, you know, that can be enough to get them enough extra possessions to, to push themselves over the hump. So we'll see if that, you know, maintains when they start playing bigger, more athletic teams. Um, but if it does, um, I think their offensive ceiling and their offensive floor are both high enough to where some of their issues with their defense that we've seen, and, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, uh, can probably be overcome with some good offense. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to take a look at the different box scores and think that, you know, Kansas, oh man, you know, their, their offense hasn't been playing up to snuff the way that we expected. But you're right, when you look at it, I mean, you also look at the like the the game against North Texas. You know, they aver- they had one point oh three points of possession, and typically what you say is, you know, if it's above one point of possession, that's usually pretty good. If it's below one point of possession, that's pretty good for your defense. Um, you know, Kansas didn't. You know, they didn't actually have a single game in the entire tournament of those three games where it was below one. Um, you know, it was one point oh three against North Texas. It was 1.06 against Dayton, and it was 1.32 against Iona. So, like, they com- they completely exploded against Iona, which obviously the, you know, 96-point scoreline kind of tells you that they were having a good night shooting. Um, but kind of to your point, like, the issue the issue wasn't really – I mean, it, it was somewhat that their, that their shooting was off against Dayton, but it was really more just that their defense didn't measure up as well to what they normally do because, you know, Dayton – shot 1.0 or had 1.07 points per possession, which I think is one of the better outputs by an opponent with the exception of like when Kansas is blowing out the other team. So like the game against Iona was never really as close as that final score really indicated. Um, you know, it was, I mean, they, they, they won that game by 13 and it really, really like that was them closing the gap in the, in the last 10 minutes of the game as well. So, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where the offense is clicking uh, quite a bit. They do have occasionally some nights where they're, you know, where they're having trouble shooting. But, but I mean, you look the night before, you know, they were, they were, uh, I'm sorry, no, I, I th- they were six of 14 against North Texas. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's 43%. And they won that game by 12, you know, against, uh, against Iona. Again, they were six to 14. So 43%. They were, like you said, only four of 19 shooting 21%, which is a huge blip for them. If they even shot at the same clip that Dayton did, because Dayton shot under 30% as well from three, then they would have won that game hands down. Like that would have been, you know, they, that would have been a seven or eight point win and nobody would have blip, you know, batted an eye other than the fact that they were to come back. I think the biggest issue isn't even the defense in general. It's just the fact that they had literally an entire half of basketball where everything that could go wrong went wrong for them. And, and when you have that happen, you can lose a lead pretty quickly. And it's really hard to get back on track when it feels like everything's snowballing. It's hard to get it turned around, especially when, you know, you have Bill self admitting the fact that yeah he probably didn't do them any favors. You know, like he was, he was using that Dayton game, especially early as a way to try to get more people involved and try to figure out rotation minutes. And it turns out that Dayton was ready to come play. He, you know, he actually talked about how that messed up the chemistry that they had that messed up kind of the momentum that they had going into the second half that they weren't able to kind of roll that over into the second half. And that caused them a lot of problems. So I don't think he's going to make that mistake again. Um, but I, I also wonder if maybe, you know, that's bill self kind of taking some of the hit for some of his players who didn't perform as well as they should have. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ask you at this point, do you think that there is something to that, to what bill self was saying, or is that him deflecting some of the blame for his players? Well, yeah, pro- you know, in all things, probably a little bit of both. Um, <clears throat> looks like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys got double digit minutes. Um, Jalen Coleman lands had eight as well. Um, and I think some guys who, you know, Joe Yesif, who I think had one of the better five minute stints that we've seen, uh, you know, out of a guy. And that's all he played. So he's another guy who probably should have played more. I-, I think the big thing with that Dayton game. Well, let's let's start with this. Uh, it seems like every year teams say, Hey, why does, you know, Bill self goes, you know, balls out to win all these games in December. 
how come he doesn't, you know, figure out the rotation plan for March, get these young guys some minutes, that sort of thing and stuff like that. And, you know, mix and match some rotation, see who's going to work together. And then he does it and people freak out because they, you know, lose a random game. So, uh, I don't, I don't really envy that part of his job, I guess. Um, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of senses, it would be a great gig to have, but in that sense, uh, it's, it's mostly a no win situation. So, um, I think Bill Self being Bill Self, uh, probably going to start trimming down that rotation starting now. Um, I've talked on Twitter a lot about how, um, Pettiford and, and yes, should probably take a lot of Dewan Harris's minutes. Um, I think a lot of David McCormick's minutes should go to, uh, both Jalen Wilson and Zach Clements. Um, Knowing how much Bill Self likes his veterans, and, and he clearly likes Dewan Harris, um, I, I don't know if either of those things are going to happen. And obviously, Bill Self knows way more about basketball than I ever will. Um, but to me, those seem like two pretty clear, obvious um, moves to make. So there, there must be something going on in practice, or someone doesn't know the playbook very well, or, or something like that. Because um, you know, Bill Self's not an idiot, and there's a reason why certain guys are playing and, and well, certain guys that aren't. So um, I think I think a big part of that too, though, is we're almost hamstrung by the fact that David McCormick turned it on so, you know, so well in conference play. And it's, you know, the final two thirds of conference play that we've seen him, you know, flip that switch before mid season. And so there's, there's that hope, no matter how bad David McCormick is playing the beginning of the year, you know, it's going to take quite a while for them to finally get to the point where they decide that, you know, he hasn't been playing well at all. It made it to not happen this year because he's done that before where we've gotten 15 games in and then all of a sudden he's, you know, flips that switch there's got to be something in the back of self's mind that, Hey, we just need to get, get him to work through this and have him flip that switch and get there. Um, I mean, that could be a problem for the entire season. Yes. I would love to have big 12 Dave back, you know, um, for a lot longer this season. The question is, can they really afford to waste a lot of the developmental opportunities in these games that don't matter for getting a conference championship in the hope that it's going to spur David enough so that he can get going. And and I mean, I I like David. I like what he can do when he's on. The problem is he's just way too inconsistent over the course of the season. So they've got to get it figured out. I think a lot sooner and give him, I think a shorter (laughs) lease than they did last year. Yeah. I think, you know, the, it's kind of important to point out too, that despite all of his struggles offensively, you know, they're still fifth in Ken Palm and and fourth in Torbeck offensively. And, you know, the numbers look great. And again, you can probably, you know, hammer on the fact that they played some not very good teams to to build those numbers, but nonetheless, you can only beat who's in front of you. And, and he's done a, uh, you know, he's been a part of one of the best offenses in the country. So, well, and those numbers um, are supposed to be a opponent adjusted. Obviously there's only so much you can do to adjust, yeah, for them, but it's not like it's just a straight, Hey, they put up really great numbers. It's no, it's supposed yeah, to take you, into account somewhat the level of right. No, it, it it does. You're right. I'm I'm just talking about the fact, you know, like we talked about, they're they're barely turning it over, and you know, they're 19th in the country in turnover rate and 12th in effective field goal and stuff like that. And, and you know, those aren't um, those aren't adjusted. So uh, that's that's what I meant. Fair, you're right. Fair, that, fair. That was probably a a poor way to, to no. Make that I point, just wanted but, to make sure because I'm sure we have some listeners that aren't or are, are a little bit rusty because it's been a while since we dove into this stuff from last year. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure like. Yeah, it definitely does take that into account when we're talking about adjusted efficiency numbers and all of that stuff. But you're right. Those raw stats, you know, you can't really adjust a turnover rate based off of your opponent, like what you think it should have been. So the um, uh, <laughs> the bigger issue for me is, is on the defensive side of the floor. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're 33rd in Ken Palm defensively, 56th in Torvik defensively. Um, and frankly, when you watch them, 
Um, that seems reasonable to me. Um, I, I yeah, read a, sure. a post by, uh, by Jesse Newell that if you're a subscriber to their, their sports package or whatever, first of all, you should be, um, no free ads, but I guess they're getting one. And, uh, you know, specifically you should probably read everything that Jesse posts. Cause for my money, he's the, the best guy on the regular beat as far as the newspaper guys go. But, um, anyway, he, he mentioned, you know, some stuff about the defense and, and I read it and kind of, you know, had a, a brief back and forth with him on Twitter and, um, he seems to be a little bit more optimistic than I am. Um, you know, for one, I always look at, uh, two point percentage allowed. Cause that's the, you know, in terms of two point versus three point, that's the thing that, that the defense has more control over. Um, Kansas currently allowing teams to shoot over 50% from two, which is 227th in the country, obviously not good. Um, 293rd nationally in terms of allowing opponents to get to the rim. Um, and 158th nationally allowing opponents to score at the rim. Um, and, and again, they face just one Ken Palm top 100 team and, and none of those, you know, percentages allowed our, our opponent adjusted. So um, that's not good. That's stuff that I don't know is going to get better. Jesse made the point that they do a good job of cutting off teams kind of initial um, action that they run, which is true and, and which is important. Um, and they force teams into some, some late shape, uh, excuse me, late shot clock isolation opportunities, uh, which generally is is good. But Kansas has a few guys that you can isolate and, and score on, really. Um, you know, namely Jalen Wilson. Um, I mean, Remy Martin has been kind of up and down defensively. He's been hampered by a bad back, so I'm kind um, of okay giving him the benefit yeah. of the doubt there. Um, but, you know, Christian Brown's a good team defender. He's not really a guy that I would consider a defensive stopper. Dewan Harris is a good defender. You know, he's a, a pest out there, but he's also a guy where, you know, you isolate him and you get him into the post or something like that, and you can score over him. So I don't know that those defensive numbers are necessarily going to uh, improve too much. Now, the good news is if their offense is that good, they don't have to improve a ton. They just have to improve a little bit. And Kansas has one of the best defensive coaches in the country. So if you're looking for a positive, those are two pretty big ones. But um, I think they're going to have to to show some stuff defensively against decent opponents before I'm going to start uh, counting on them to be even a, a good defense. Yeah. I mean, and that's really what it, it has come down to at this point is like Jalen Wilson, you're right. Like he's had some issues, but he also, you know, had to deal with the suspension. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of getting back in the swing of things. The other thing too, is that Bill self is known for his more of a system defense as opposed to lockdown defenders. He has had lockdown defenders, but where he really shines as a defense first coach you know, is the ability to get a whole bunch of guys and make them as a defense better than the individual parts would have you think. And so we haven't gotten to the point yet where he's able to do that. And you have a lot of guys that are doing a lot of different things. And as you're trying to get these rotations, you know, figured out in terms of who's going to be your main guy rotation wise, it's difficult to build that cohesion and build that chemistry that you need. The one thing that I noticed though, in terms of an individual player you didn't talk about, David McCormick has been absolutely phenomenal as a defender this year, especially when you look at like he has, he has the best steal rate on the team. Um, which is a little weird to kind of think about. He's actually still a fairly good shot blocker. Um, the one, the one huge critique that I have of David McCormick when he's on the defensive end is that he overhelps a lot. You know, there's a lot of times where I think that's why his steal rate is so high because he'll jump over and help and poke the ball out when you know a a player isn't necessarily aware of it. But then as the game goes on and they get used to him coming over and helping, he's overhelping and leaving guys open and causing problems that way. And so that has got to get settled down. 
Um, you know, it's it's unfortunately one of those things and why late in games, Kansas has had some issues of keeping leads and, you know, keeping the foot on the gas is because they start to go to McCormick more often down low on the offensive end to try to really salt games away, and it's not working nearly as well. And people kind of figure out what it is that McCormick is doing on defense and are able to kind of game plan and adjust around it. And so he's not being as effective in the second half of the game as he is in the first half. It's one of those things they're going to have to work on. They're going to have to get it figured out. But there's a lot of issues that Bill Self needs to work on, um, a lot of ways that he can improve this team. And they're still a really, really good team, regardless of the fact you know that they had that particular loss. Um, I did see that they dropped down to, the, to, to number eight in the AP poll, which I thought was a little bit harsh, given kind of some of the other teams that have had some issues. But, of course, we all know that, that the AP poll doesn't really matter for anything other than to make us feel good. So I guess it's not really necessarily that big of a deal. The Rock Chalk Podcast is proud to welcome our brand new sponsor from the 1012 Network here. That is Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. That's t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, you know, joggers, whatever you can get uh, that has great college vintage logos on it. Homefield has it. They have more than 100 schools available. They're adding new ones all the time. Uh, the f- stuff is absolutely fantastic. I have a whole bunch from a whole bunch of different schools that are not KU, but I can guarantee if you head on over there, go to homefieldapparel.com. I can guarantee you're going to find a vintage logo on a shirt, on a sweater, on a hoodie or something that you are absolutely going to love. If you use promo code chalk 12, uh, you can get 15% off of your first order. All orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping. Uh, they just got done with their black Friday, uh, you know, cyber Monday sale. That was absolutely phenomenal. So if you have not ordered yet from them, head on over there, use promo code CHOCK12, get some great gear. I guarantee you're absolutely going to love it. You're going to have a problem with your significant other trying to steal it all the time because I know the mine does. Um, but one more time, homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. Um, anything else from these games, though, that you wanted to highlight, Fetch? Well, I think just with you know McCormick, to touch on that really briefly, um, I think you made a good point uh, about his overhelping and stuff. And, and I guess I would argue, you know, yeah, you're right that he's got good individual defensive stats. Um, I would argue that, you know, his overhelping and stuff is uh, a really big contributor to the fact that they're not very good at keeping teams from getting to the rim and, and keeping teams from scoring at the rim. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I would, I guess I would push back a little bit on him being good at defense. That said, you know, like we talked about his offensive improvement last year, um, he improved defensively as well. You know, they switched around their, uh, their pick and roll coverage a little bit. And I think it uh, corresponded to his skill set a little bit more, you know, he's not like a, um, a Jeff with in there, you know, he can block a shot, but he's, but that's not his game. Um, He's more of a, a a quick twitch kind of, I can't remember who this was. I think it might've been Derek Johnson, uh, but just kind of conflated compared him to the, the wacky inflated inflatable two hand guy that you see outside of like car washes and stuff. That's, that's kind of more, uh, what he is defensively, um, which can definitely have its uh, have its purposes, but you got to um, you know you got to plan around it a little bit more than you do with a a guy like a Withy or a guy like a a Cole Aldrich or even like a, a Landon Lucas, who despite low block numbers was actually a, a pretty good uh, rim protector. So um, <clears throat> assuming well, I would can, say even like know, a guy like Mitch Lightfoot on this team, he is actually surprisingly yeah. good in yeah. terms of protecting the rim compared to what you would normally think. And it's because he's smart about the way that he does it. Whereas David seems to rely a lot more on his athleticism. Um, and you know, the fact that, that he can try to close quickly to affect shots more than maintaining his position. 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think the points that you made are, are kind of the points I was trying to make, but I, I must not have done it very well. Just the fact that McCormick has good individual numbers because he catches people off guard, is doing things you wouldn't normally expect of a guy his size and, and, and of his abilities. So he's, he's getting a lot of surprise defensive stats, I think. And then as they kind of figure him out, they're able to go around him. And the right. problem is that the lapses that he causes in the defense probably don't actually get charged to him nearly as much as they should. Um, so that might be inflating his defensive numbers as well just because the way that defensive statistics are set up right now, um, it's really hard a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, a lapse in the defense by three different players has to get assigned to somebody. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of times it's whoever is closest to the play, even if the guy is way out of position. So, sure. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you know, ahead. I would also, you know, just to piggyback on the, uh, uh, the Jalen Wilson point I made earlier about how he should maybe start. Um, he, he can't definitely can't guard threes. Um, I would kind of argue that he can't even really guard fours very well on the perimeter. So putting him uh, at the five also helps, you know, his, his defense, you know, you get that uh, uh, defense of David McCormick out of there. Although I gotta be honest with you. I just looked up um, and, and you're right. uh, Defensive stats uh, in college basketball are are not great, but uh, if you're looking at uh, defensive, um, points per possession allowed. You're looking at defensive box plus minus all that stuff. Uh, he's way up there. Uh, leads the team in defensive rating. Uh, he is one, two, three, fourth in uh, defensive box plus minus, but two of the guys ahead of him are Zach Clements and Bobby Pettiford who haven't played a ton. Um, so maybe he's a better defender than I give him credit for. I guess I, I guess I could be wrong. I mean, I'm a slave to the numbers. Um, and when my numbers and eyes disagree, I guess the numbers are probably right. But um, so um, that being said, <laughs> I do think Jalen Wilson, you know, as a five, um, much better the defender than he is as a four. So while I guess you're maybe not gaining too much by, um, getting rid of David, David McCormick's defense, that's one less four man who, you know, you get those late shot clock isolations and stuff. That's one less guy for the defense to just blow by. Like he's not even there. Um, you can talk about who they're going to have in there instead of them because it's not like Jalen Cohen Lance is a great defender um you know I guess you have Christian Brown and Ochai Abaji play a lot of minutes at the four both of them are pretty good defenders but um you know I I do think that getting Jalen to the five somewhat full-time is a, a big key to unlocking this team both offensively and defensively yeah the problem is I, I don't know that Jalen's a natural fit at the five like like you might hope for and we do have two guys on the bench in KJ Adams and Zach Clements who are much more at least in terms of their abilities to defend the five, probably a little bit more natural for them. Um, Clements specifically, you know, as a guy that can really kind of cause mismatches and cause problems. The issue of course, is that they are freshmen and, you know, Bill self has not shown the propensity to play them unless they're really doing something that just forces them on the floor. So unfortunately, yeah, I, I think yeah go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I think, I think you're right about Clements. I think he needs to play more. I mean, the fact that he can, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't done much from two, but his pick and pop ability from three is insane. Uh, he's been a, a pretty good rebounder, um, pretty good at taking care of the ball and stuff, all the things that you'd like to see. Um, Adams, you know, I, I get why Bill Self likes him, a lot of energy. Um, I get why, you know, the fan base likes him. To me, I don't really think you can put him at center because um, if you, if you have a center, you either need them to be big uh, and tall, kind of like a Dave McCormick or a Zach Clements, or you need them to be able to, you know, if they're small, they need to be able to, to create a mismatch and do something with that small. And that's, and that's why I like Jalen Wilson, because yes, he's small. 
but he can take guys out and score on them. Um, and he's actually not, not too bad in the post either. Um, whereas Adams hasn't really shown that offensive ability uh, to really do anything. And so you're, you're kind of playing four on five out there. Um, and then three on five, if you got him and Dewan Harris out there at the same time. So, yeah, I just don't think he gives you enough offensively yet. Obviously I'm sure that's going to change. You know, he's a top 50 recruit. He clearly has skill and, and clearly has potential. Um, I just think for this year yet, he's not the guy who I'd have at center. Yeah, it's unfortunately just another example of them having so many different possibilities there that it's it, you're going to find things you like in a lot of the players that are going to have you know get barely any minutes on the bench um, that you could pretty much argue that any particular player you know that that isn't getting significant minutes should be getting significant minutes and would play a whole lot better if they actually did get those. So um, that's kind of just unfortunately the way that it's going to be for for good portions of the year. So. All right. Um, so I think that I think that about covers it for the uh, the games that actually happened this last weekend. Can can you think of anything else that we missed? No, I, I think it's preview time. All right. Well, we will go ahead and do the preview, but before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn those cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code CHOCK12 for a money-back guarantee. Uh, yes, that's right. Money back guarantee. We've been talking about it for a little bit here. What they are doing is allowing you to come in, take a look around, you know, find some teams that you want to jump on, try to try to earn some some money there. And if after 90 days or, or any time before 90 days, you realize that it's just not quite for you that you want to go ahead and pull all your money out, they will refund that entire first deposit uh, up to $500. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of different teams they have. They have NBA, NFL, you know, MLB, NHL college football obviously they're getting ready to add college basketball sometime this upcoming season and epl so professional soccer they have a lot going on it's a lot of fun you know head on over there symbol.com use promo code chalk 12 get that money back guarantee on a deposit up to 500 um kansas you know going to the offseason you can try to find teams like kansas going to the offseason that are going to increase in value going into next year because let me tell you the jayhawks are coming they're going to have a lot of fun and it's going to be a lot better in the next upcoming years. Don't know how long it's going to take, but I can guarantee you if you buy them now in two, three years, you're going to make quite a bit of money off of the value there. So let's, uh, but again, go to symbol.com, use promo code chalk 12, get your money back guarantee for your first deposit up to $500. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt Isbear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a... It's going to be a great... Sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid... Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports... Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two... Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well, at Matt is Bear and at Evan Hebert. Uh, Sick'em Bears.
And we're back. All right. So we've already talked about, oh, sorry. Here, here with Steve Fetch, basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. We've already talked about the games that happened over the Thanksgiving weekend. Now we need to talk about the games that are coming up this next week. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know exactly the next time that you're coming back on Fetch. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the St. John's game and the UTEP game. Let's go ahead and start with that St. John's game happening tonight from when this episode's dropping uh, Friday, December 3rd. It's kind of an away game. But not really. It's technically a neutral site game, but it's really, really close to St. John's. Um, and so what are you looking at from this game? Like, what's the thing that jumps out to you that, that Kansas should be the most concerned about when they're looking at this matchup? Uh, I think the thing that's going to jump out to me first is that Kansas probably doesn't have the best player in this game. Um, Julian Champ, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, even though I've heard it before. Champagne, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um had a, having a really nice season so far. He was really good last year as a sophomore as well. Um, around 36% from three, you know, 52% from two, which, you know, uh, quite a bit when you're taking as many shots as he is. Uh, decent little passer, uh, good defensively, good rebounder. I mean, he's, he's the full package. He's probably a first-round pick after this year, um, maybe even a, a lottery pick after this year. So, um the fact that Kansas, and, and despite how good Ochai Abaji has been this year, may not have the best player uh, in this game is is really the thing that stands out to me more than anything, especially considering, you know, St. John's hasn't exactly been a powerhouse the last few years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you in terms of, like, the best player on the court is probably not on Kansas. The problem is, you know, well, I should say, looking at it, though, Kansas probably does have number two, three, and four, if not five as well. So, you know, St. John's does have some good players, but they have one real big standout, and then everyone else is kind of what you would normally expect role player-wise. You know, I, I look at the St. John's team, and, and I see a lot like what Oklahoma State had last year, um, you know, where they had Kate Cunningham, who was a phenomenal player, and then a whole bunch of other guys that could be good on any particular night um, but weren't going to blow you out of the water. The question is, how well do they all come together and be able to kind of stop what it is that Kansas is trying to do. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of this matchup, though, I, I'm looking at, you know, look, like I'm, I'm looking at all the the pregame stuff and all of the preview stuff that, that Ken Palm has and, and trying to look at what really jumps out to me. Um, St. John's is not a very good offensive rebounding defensive team in terms of stopping offensive rebounds, and they give up a whole bunch of threes. Um you know, those are not necessarily good things to do against a Kansas team that is really good at shooting the three typically um, and actually hits the glass fairly well if you look at the way that their stats go. So, um, yeah, it seems like Kansas has a lot of things that work really, really well for them. And there's not a similar sort of mismatch going the other way. Um, so, I mean, what what else really jumps out to you, though? Like, if, if, if Kansas is going to be worried about this game, right, in terms of, like, if this game is super close, if Kansas is having problems, if they're going to struggle somewhere, where do you think it is? And do you think it's more of Kansas not doing something that they need to do well, or is it St. John's taking advantage of something? Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's very clearly the fact that St. John's is fifth nationally at two point shooting. And obviously we've talked over and over about Kansas's issues. Um, now it's, it's important to note that, you know, Kansas has only played one Ken Palm top 100 opponent, uh, you know, St. John's has only played one as well. And they've only played two top 200 opponents. I mean, they, they've played a horribly easy schedule. So really tough to say for sure how much of that is for real and, and how much isn't. But, 
you know, that having been said, uh, that's certainly going to be an issue. I mean, Kansas has allowed teams uh, worse than this to shoot pretty well from two. So um, I think they, they may have some pretty, pretty easy opportunities and that's going to be difficult for, uh, for Kansas to combat. Um, one other thing, I guess, you know, to point out is, you know, like we talked about with Champagne, you know, being a really good player. And, and I guess I, I would argue Posh Alexander is a little bit better than maybe you, you gave him credit for. Um, but you Fair. Know, no, nonetheless, um, you look at last year's team with Marcus Garrett, and this is kind of the ideal team that you would want to face because you can just say, okay, Marcus Garrett, take your guy out of the game. Um, and then we'll worry about the rest of the team. Whereas, you know, they, they don't really have that this year. So a um, little bit more afraid of teams with stars this year. And, and that's something I think that Kansas should watch out for, not just for this, but in the future as well. Yeah. It's also one of those. I mean, I, I see a guy like Posh Alexander and think of him kind of like an Isaac likely again for that Oklahoma state team where he's probably better than the rest of the cast, but he's not a guy that you would have expected, especially going into last year of being able to lead a team. If you know, the main guy wasn't there. So like, um, it's definitely one of those things. He, he could prove me wrong. He could do a lot like likely did last year and develop through over the course of the season, um, you know, and turn into a guy that could be leading a team. Uh, but I, I just don't see it yet at this point. So it is like you said, if they had a guy that was a lockdown defender, I would feel a lot better about this matchup um, because then you could put the one guy from Kansas on it. It's going to have to be a much more of a team effort, um, which unfortunately I think is how Champagne is going to be able to kind of take advantage of what it is that, that Kansas can do defensively. But if it is a situation where they can lock most other people down and he's the only guy that can really score, then, you know, I mean, Ochai can go off, Brown can go off. You know, we have a bunch of different guys that could match him or a collection of guys that collectively could match him as well. So um, the other thing that jumps out to me from the St. John's team is that they don't take care of the ball really well, um, which Kansas isn't necessarily fantastic. They're, they're more middle of the pack in terms of takeaways defensively. But this St. John's team turns the ball over a lot and particularly allows to get stolen quite a bit. Uh, which is something that Kansas could potentially lean into. Um, I, I would imagine that Bill Self is going to have a lot of pressure defense, going to do a lot of different things to try to speed them up and get them out of rhythm and find opportunities to go ahead and steal the ball. Um, you know, I think Kansas also has a bunch of guys that can potentially take advantage of that, especially if they can do it in the backcourt, as opposed to trying to rely on a guy like David McCormick to do it down low. Um, any Anything to that that you're, I mean, do you agree that that is something that could be a really big opportunity for the Jayhawk team or... Yeah, def definitely. And I think, you know, maybe even just as much on the offensive end where, you know, they, they talked about it during, I want to say it was the Iona game where this team's running a lot more than Bill Self's teams normally do, um, getting a lot of easy baskets that way. And so, you know, if they can continue to, to force turnovers and continue to get easy baskets, um, you're right. I mean, I think that's not only going to be helpful defensively, but offensively as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, Let's see, anything else from this particular game that really kind of jumps out to you? Uh, no, I think we nailed it. All right. I mean, obviously, this is going to be, you know, UBS Arena in, in Elmont, New York. So this is going to be over on the East Coast, really close to St. John's. I, I don't really know the story behind doing this game in this particular location. I thought there was something going on. At first, I thought this was a Madison Square Garden game, but it's not. Um, I think it's I think it's the first game in that arena. I think it's the opener. Okay. If I oh, correctly. that's right. It's the okay. This is St. John's. Well, no, it's not St. John's Arena, but it's a very close to them. And you're right. It is the very first game in this arena. Who do you you know get for that other than one of the best programs in the nation? So that makes sense. I knew that there was a lot of extra pomp and circumstance surrounding the game. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but um, yeah. So you know, we'll 
we'll make this kind of like, um, you know, Allen Fieldhouse West was for a really, really long time where, you know, Kansas would go over to Manhattan. I think it was what, like 24 years or something like that before Kansas State got a win in that building. I'm probably exaggerating the actual number, but that's what it sure felt like anyway. Here on the Rock Shock Podcast, we're happy to have a brand new sponsor, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high-quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers use. I personally have a Kansas desk plaque that has the Kansas Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Absolutely fantastic. Have it out on my on my uh, coffee table there. Everybody absolutely loves it whenever they come over. I have one of the stainless, the, the stainless steel bookends too. It looks fantastic on my bookshelf. And I was able to have Gridiron make a sign with the Rock Chalk Podcast logo that hangs on my wall. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Um, you guys will love it too. Go to gridironmetal.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. They have so many great things, whether it's grill grates, grill accessories, anything else you can think of. I promise you that when you go make your first order, you're going to get over $100 because they just have so much great stuff, whether it's for you or the other people in your life that are you know huge sports fanatics as well. Best part is everything at Gridiron Metal is high quality and made in the USA, and they continue to add new products for all the schools that they have all the time. I, you know, head over to Gridiron Metal, use that promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order, and start saving today. Okay, so um, other game that we'll talk about would be the UTEP game. This is the normal, you know, NKC Sprint Center type game that we normally have one of every year. Um, this is a game that potentially has been an issue at times uh, for the Jayhawks because for whatever reason, they don't necessarily play as well in the sprint center in the middle of the season as they do, you know, at the end of the season when it's there for the big 12 tournament. So um, anything that jumps out to you though, in this particular game, UTEP obviously was a, was a late addition, if I remember correctly to last year's schedule uh, because of all the COVID stuff that was going on. Uh, they're playing the minors again this year. Um any, anything from that game that jumps out to you, or is this one that if they're not, you know, if they don't win this game by 20 points, that there's a problem? Yeah, you remember last year, they almost lost that game. Uh, they were they were down pretty late uh, yeah. before before narrowly winning, and a lot of people, you know, made the jokes that uh, they scheduled them just so it could be senior night because Baylor had not played for, you know, what seemed like a month and, and didn't know if they were going to be able to play. And then, of course, they go out and, and beat Baylor on senior night anyway, but um, the jokes that it was going to be an easy game sure fell flat when they were, uh, up by, you know, or down by a couple of possessions late in that game. But, um, I actually didn't realize this was the sprint center game, to be honest with you. And, uh, I could have sworn that Jesse or, or somebody, uh, wrote a thing about how they didn't actually play that much worse there than, than you would expect, given that it's not their actual home court and stuff, but you're right. It sure seems like they have a scare every couple of years or so, so. Um, looking at this game, I, I don't really think that UTEP is going to give them much of a scare. They can't shoot the ball at all, which is, you know, obviously a really great thing to look at. Um, they've been okay defensively, but you know, they're doing it by like forcing turnovers and stuff. And Kansas has done a really good job taking care of the ball and, and with better athletes and, and more size and stuff like that than UTEP. I don't really think that they're going to force a ton of turnovers. So it really looks like a, a thing where Kansas is you know, assuming the spread isn't like 18 or something like that, it, it looks like it's a game where 
they're probably going to cover the spread relatively easily. Um, one kind of interesting note that I don't know will have really a, an impact on the game or not, but uh, T or uh, excuse me, UTEP is actually the uh, the number one team in the country in terms of not getting their shots blocked. Uh, 2.1% of their shots get blocked, which is uh, an insanely low number. So uh, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of block shots from Kansas, I guess, in that game, but other than that, um, you know, I, I don't really see any uh, anything that should trouble Kansas too much. Yeah, I mean, that's that's extremely impressive. But again, I think part of it, um, if you're having problems shooting in general, you probably don't need to worry about like opposing teams don't necessarily need to worry about trying to block the shots because you're just going to miss them anyway. So um, it's probably a little bit of, of both of those things where they're just not getting a good shot. So, you know, blocking isn't really that big of a, a of, of a deal for them. Um, I do agree the whole T-Mobile center and I'm forever going to call that the sprint center. I'm just so used to it. It's so ingrained in my brain that I'll find myself making that mistake so many times. Um, but yeah, it's probably just more of confirmation bias that we have seen a few times where they've struggled in that arena, in that game. Um, you know, it probably comes at a time of year too, where, you know, they're getting ready for holiday season. There's some, some things going on, some, not necessarily shenanigans, but them trying to, you know, still try out lineups. And it's one of the, usually one of the last games that they really have an opportunity to try to do that before the, the non-conference schedule really ramps up getting ready for conference play and then getting into conference play. So there's a lot of factors that probably contribute to that. Um, and then, then, yeah, just the fact that they've, you know, lost one of those and, struggled in a couple other ones and so it seems like they play a lot worse than they actually do so all right i don't want to i don't want to stretch out this portion uh, i don't i don't actually mind having a little bit of a shorter episode uh now that football season is over um you know unfortunately that means that uh, uh it's it's not necessarily going to be super long episodes guys as we try to you know review two different teams but that's okay um i do though before we get out of here a uh, couple different things i want to talk about first of all we did have one question from the twitter q a um, that wasn't already going to be talked about anyway. So uh, it would be from our wonderful friend uh, at Fizzle406 over on Twitter. He wants to know, if you could eat any non-edible item, what would it be and why? Yeah, well, I think if you're, uh, if you're a regular commenter and you are familiar with his takes on food, uh, I think anything that he likes probably qualifies as a non-edible. Yeah, item, I was going to say uh, he he gave us the perfect roasting opportunity for him. So, but uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, doesn't like I don't know, doesn't some like Play-Doh and stuff look kind of like you would uh, you know maybe chow down if you could or something like that? Or yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I could think of plenty of things like that. Which I mean, technically, that's edible because it doesn't it doesn't technically hurt you. It's made out of stuff that could theoretically be oh really oh man okay all right um like Uh, it's not toxic (laughs) i think it's the most important thing um but no you're right like like you can make homemade play-doh too and you usually make that out of like flour and food coloring and some other other ingredients that are that are technically edible um but yes i definitely wouldn't taste like it's supposed to be edible um you know the only other thing the only other thing i can think of um, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to try to think of one particular thing that I would actually be willing to shove in my mouth that wasn't technically edible. Although I would, you know, to be honest, if you do, if you do chew it and swallow it, then isn't it technically edible because you actually did eat it? So, yeah, yeah, I don't really know what, uh, yeah, I don't know what, uh, should have been a, a more carefully asked question, I guess, so that we don't get around it. I guess I will say, you know, this is a super cliche answer given what happened a couple of years ago and stuff, but. I mean, there's a reason people were eating Tide Pods. You know, they they do look like something that you would want to 
shove in there and chow down on. So that, that, you know, cliche as it is might have to be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I will caveat this with, if I could eat something and not die from eating it, um, then yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like that, 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 uh, probably would, would definitely you know, like pique the interest. Um, but yeah. All right. That was, um, a rather strange deviation for us, but it was a lot of fun and hey, it gave us a great opportunity to roast fizzle. So it, it was completely worth it. So, um, one other topic I want to talk about, uh, because it's actually just happened tonight while we're recording. Uh, and we actually did have a question about it. The Kansas women's volleyball team, uh, is in the, in the NCAA tournament. We talked briefly about that in the Monday episode. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the episode that dropped Tuesday that we recorded on Monday. Um, they actually won tonight. They swept Oregon in straight sets. Um, you know, it was 25-21 in sets one and two, and then 25-22. The most impressive thing for me in watching that game, Kansas did not trail in any set past the first set when they trailed 11-10. to 10. From that point forward, they were tied or leading the rest of the entire match in every single set. So it was complete domination by the Jayhawks. Caroline Bien and Caroline Crawford um, completely just went to town doing, you know, getting killed all over the place and really powering the Jayhawks to a win. Uh, I think the last I saw, I believe that Creighton was up by two sets um, as of the, you know, before this recording. I'm fairly certain it's probably going to be Creighton that they're going to be playing uh, tomorrow, but that will be tomorrow or, I'm sorry, tomorrow as in today when this episode drops at 7 p.m. So it'll be on during the KU basketball game. But you know what you can do is you can watch the first half of the basketball game and you can be like me and have a second TV that's available, watch the volleyball match on ESPN Plus and follow both of them. Or, you know, just follow the volleyball match on your phone. If you go to over to NCAA.com, you can actually follow that. Fetch, uh, have, have you had a chance to catch any of the volleyball team this year? You know, I, I have watched it on and off a little bit. Um, you know, having them on ESPN Plus, again, say what you will about the Jeff Long jokes and stuff like that, but being able to, to flip open that app and, and plug it in and watch has certainly, you know, allowed me to watch more of, you know, the volleyball team in the, in the fall and winter and then the baseball team in the spring. Um, and frankly, far more than I, than I probably would if I had to go search it out even more. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Very cool. I did see that Creighton did win. Uh, so it's a, yep, a KU just... Creighton matchup. Um, so uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Caroline Bien, she was uh freshman of the year right if i remember correctly in the Big 12 and and uh, i think first team all big 12 as well and um had another girl on the uh on the all rookie team so it it sure seems like after a couple of down years uh after that final four appearance uh they might be ascending again and um from what i understand and and, you know you know how I, i don't follow recruiting in basketball so i certainly don't in any other sport but uh sure sounds like they've got some impressive recruits coming in for next year as well so um, probably trending back upwards. And I think we're going to have some more NCAA tournament volleyball action to watch. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, I think, um, I think volleyball is going to get on the TV tomorrow and, and uh, basketball is going to be relegated to my iPad. So, well, I mean, especially if, you know, this game goes as well as we think it might. And, you know, Kansas is up big on St. John's and at halftime, um, then I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on it just so, you know, hopefully we don't have another Dayton type game in the second half there, but uh, you know, knock on wood here. So I, so I don't jinx that as you're listening to this, but um, you know, I, I definitely think that there's a good reason to have that volleyball game on because this volleyball team is exciting. You know um, you know, Kansas has been to a final four in the not so distant past and looks like uh, coach Bouchard has them back on the right track. If they're not going to make a deep run this year, they are set up really well, kind of like the football team where they have a lot of really young players 
that are really developing at the end of the year and making it so that next year you think that, you know, you can expect big things from this team in terms of taking that next step forward, even if it doesn't necessarily turn into, you know, competing for a Big 12 title or, you know, making another long run in the NCAA tournament. I think that they have a lot of reasons for you to be excited for you to, if you if you haven't already had an opportunity to actually go out and watch them in person, I highly recommend it. Uh, I've been to one match, one one volleyball match, and it was absolutely a fantastic time. I highly recommend it to anybody who has not had an opportunity to do it yet, so... All right, Fed. Yeah, and I, I guess Go ahead. one, one, yeah, one last thing. I mean, you know, obviously the the football and the basketball program, and then you know, depending on what school you're at, you know, the baseball or, or hockey program can get some eyeballs too. And uh, it seems like you know uh, those Olympic sports kind of get ignored a little bit. And not only should they not be, just because they're you know they're pretty fun to watch. Frankly, um, you know, I, I like watching volleyball. I like watching you know when the Olympics come on. You know, I talked about field hockey and stuff like that. So. Not only is it fun to, to see Kansas doing well, regardless of what sport it's in, but if you're following the uh, the conference realignment stuff and, and following the rumors that, you know, Kansas may or may not have a, a Big Ten invite in the near future, um, one conference that, that loves its Olympic sports and, and particularly volleyball is the Big Ten. So, yeah, you know, for sure. another Final Four appearance uh, for KU Volleyball certainly couldn't hurt uh, in that regard. No, no, definitely not at all. So, um, you know, one final thing now before we get out of here, I did actually say, um, you know, I, I've been asking for you guys reviews. I did have one that I wanted to, to to chat about here real quick because we do actually have, you know, we have had a couple come in. Um, there is one, though, and again, you know, any kind of criticism you have for the podcast, anything you want us to take a look at or try to change, uh, I highly recommend that you go ahead and send in your rating and your review um, like I said, you know, five stars, nice comments. Absolutely love it. But we do really want to know what it is you guys want us to improve here. What, what is you want us to do better? However, there was one review and I'll go ahead and read it here. I'm not going to give the name of the person that actually get it, did it. If you really want to know, I'm sure you can go find it. But, um, you know, a, a little bit upset. It sounds like since we, since we joined the 10 12 network, um, you know, a little worried about the number of ads and, and look, I'm going to tell you, we are part of this, this 10 12 network. We absolutely love what we're doing Philip, um, over at the 10 12 podcast. And then myself, Founded the network because there was, you know, there's a hole for good Big 12 coverage that covers all the teams in the conference. And, you know, as I've said on here multiple times, we need, you know, we as Kansas fans are better informed if we know what's going on with the other teams in the conference because we play them so often. We're often grouped with them when we're comparing, you know, the conference as a whole to other teams. So understanding what's going on with the conference, understanding how we fit into the conference is very important for us as Kansas fans. So I will still highly recommend everything that's going on over there. We actually just added another podcast for Texas tech um, today, actually when we're recording this. So we have a lot of great things going on there. I really enjoy being part of that. And of course, being part of the network also means that, you know, it's the opportunity for me to, to use some of those network sponsors we have uh, to, to, to pay some of the bills. You know, it does take quite a bit of time and quite a bit of resources to actually be able to do this. And, and unfortunately, it's kind of just the nature of the podcasting for me to be able to give you guys the content that you love, to be able to talk about the things that you really want to know. I, I have to be able to get something back out of that financially to pay for, you know, whatever kind of hosting we need to do or any of the cool stuff that I want to try to do, the 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 equipment we use for the podcasting, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't like to bombard everybody with a whole bunch of ads, but we do also do have some really great sponsors that you guys have been hearing about that I really do enjoy the products they have. I'm not going to have a sponsor here on the podcast unless it's somebody that I actually, you know, can get behind their product personally, either because I've used it or, you know, I've, I've, uh, I really enjoy what they do or something to that effect. So, um, you know, I will not bring you guys an ad uh, or a sponsor on this podcast unless I personally believe in what it is that they're doing. So, um, you know, and then finally the last note they had, 
Um, and this is kind of where, where I, uh, why I wanted to talk about this. And we just spent a bunch of time talking about volleyball. You know, they, they, they asked us to stop wasting time talking about the other Olympic sports and, you know, kind of like what you just said there, Fetch, you know, we are a Kansas or a university of Kansas podcast. We talk about all the programs at the university of Kansas. Yes. Football and basketball get the most headlines. You know, they get the most eyeballs, the most ears, but the rest of these programs are people that are representing the university that we all love just as much as the basketball or the football players. I love what it is they do. It is really hard to find coverage of them. I, I can spend a good afternoon trying to find stories about the volleyball team or about the baseball team or the softball team. It's nearly impossible to do because the newspapers, again, can't get that coverage. So if I have an opportunity to bring that coverage to you, to talk about these teams, to highlight the accomplishments that they have, I am going to make every opportunity to go ahead and do that. So again, I really appreciate the feedback. I do want you guys to go ahead and keep giving those reviews, but you know, I do have a couple lines that I have to draw. We will be covering Olympic sports. Um, I wish we could do more Olympic sports. The problem is getting guests on that can knowledgeably talk about them. I'm not going to just have someone to talk on, you know, to, to jump on and talk about random things or, or, you know, just mention them just to mention them. I, I want to find ways to bring this to you to get you guys insights. You know, we, we had an interview with Coach Todd Chapman of, of the tennis team. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I learned a lot about college tennis at that. And I'm sure I actually got a lot of feedback from listeners that they really, really enjoyed that episode because it got them that peek into what actually happens, um, you know, with a college tennis program. I want to bring you guys more of those sorts, sorts of things. I am working on those actually as we speak right now, trying, trying to get more guests like that. So be on the lookout for those. We will be doing more of those, but of course we're going to give you guys plenty of coverage of the football team um, and, and the basketball team, because that's kind of our wheelhouse here, because again, there's so much information available for them. So, but that is going to do it for us today. Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. Um, again, rating review would absolutely love it. Um, you know, just, just let us know what it is we can be doing. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. If you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, you know, we are part of the 1012 network. I've already talked about them a little bit. Head over to uh, TEN12 network on Twitter. You can find links to all the shows that we have. Absolutely fantastic. Visit all of our great sponsors, Symbol, Gridiron, Homefield. They're all doing really great things. I really enjoy all the products that they have um, or the services that they provide. Use promo code CHALK12. You can get some really great deals from them. Uh, you, you guys have actually been using them. I actually just got some so some information from those sponsors. You guys are really showing out for those, so I really appreciate it. Jump out there and continue to support them so you can support us here on the podcast. But uh, that is going to do it for us tonight. Fetch, once again, thanks for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Phoenix, aka I also hate pit, joined by my brother Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. 
If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.